So, as I said, we're going to talk a little bit about what's going on here in chapter 28. Chapter 28, uh, prior to this point, if you remember, uh, we had uh, Jacob and Esau, who who are brothers, and uh, Isaac, their father, was going to bless Esau, and, and, and Jacob, with the help of his mother, goes in and deceives uh, his father Isaac, uh, takes the blessing, and Esau gets mad at him, and uh, his mother finds out that he's got intent to kill him, and so since Jacob was, his, was her favorite and she didn't want to lose him and Esau in that sense, uh, but yet she encouraged her husband Isaac uh, to send Jacob away to her brother's house over in Haran uh, to take of a wife uh, from her brother's uh, daughters. So we might get into some relationship issues here as far as you know, what's going on. Yeah, I, I just find it interesting when you think about the relationship as far as the, 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 the relativeness here. Uh, but also keep in mind that uh, God didn't forbid that until we have the, the law of Moses either. So it wasn't until later on that we find that being condemned. But anyhow, we, uh, we had Jacob uh, leaving out from Beersheba where they were at in the land of Canaan, and he was heading out towards Haran. And last week, we got into a little bit on this, uh, starting in verse 10. And, uh, and just for emphasis sake, so that we can kind of be reminded of what we're talking about here, I'm going to uh, read over verses 10 through 17 once again, and we're going to uh, discuss this a little bit more. I know we discussed some of it last week, but I wanted to finish up as far as the latter goes. I didn't get into that and uh, what have you. But real quick, let's read. Genesis chapter 28, verses 10 through 17. It says, Now Jacob went out from Beersheba and went towards Haran. So he came to a certain place and stayed there all night, because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones that, of that place and put it as his, at his head, and he laid down, and he laid down in that place to sleep. Then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and its top reached to the heaven. And there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie, I will give to your descendants. Also, your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west, to the east, and to the north, and to the south. And in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is the is this place there is no other there is none other than the house of God and this is the gate of heaven all right I know I read a lot there at one time and last week we talked about the uh, things that God had told him 
in the dream here as far as reassuring the, the blessing that Isaac gave him right before he left out to go on this journey. And uh, ultimately, God here is, is reassuring him that he is with him. He is reassuring him that uh, he will come back to this land and that he is going to be with him. And like I said, we talked about that a little bit last week. We also talked about the aspect of how that this wasn't his first night away from uh, Beersheba because of the name of the place that he names it in verse 19. Uh, we have the, we know roundabout where that's at. We know the distance in between uh, Beersheba and, and uh, Bethel here. And we know that that wasn't a, a one-day journey, but yet this was more more likely about his third night, thereabouts, uh, on his journey, and, and here the Lord is coming to him. But uh, beyond that, we had this ladder, and that's what I promised we was going to get to this morning. Last week, we had this ladder within this dream that he's having that uh, ascended from the ground up into the heavens, and the Lord was standing at the top of it, and we had angels ascending and descending upon the ladder. What does that mean? What, what do you think the, the aspect here as far as this ladder goes? And I'll be honest with you, I'm not saying that I've got the answers. I'm just curious what you guys might say about it. All right, very good. So we have the symbolism here of, of what God is telling him and what he's seeing. Uh, because we have the angels ascending and descending, ultimately uh, if you would, taking orders from God, going and completing those orders and coming back to receive more orders um, and, and God taking care of them. Over in Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 14, where we have the Hebrew writer uh, speaking and he's talking about angels, he says, are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those uh, who, for those who will inherit salvation? All right, so we have the, the aspect of the angels going in and out, uh, uh, taking care of them. So not only is he hearing what God is telling him, but we have uh, Jacob also seeing this thing, seeing the angels ascending and descending upon this ladder. Um, you thought angels what? They flew. They flew. <laughs> well, in movies, that's what we, we have in you know, honestly, I don't know what an angel looks like and what an angel would be able to do, but they are uh, uh, angels, in a sense, are messengers of God, and so that's all I can really tell you about what angels are and how they, they operate. They're messengers of God. So, Another uh, interesting aspect here, and, and it's not so much for for Jacob at this point, but it's kind of a... Of a Interesting thought, though, if you wanted to think about it in a sense as far as this ladder goes. Um, like I said, the, the text doesn't really bring this out, but it, just looking at the, the whole scheme of things, you know, when you, when you think about how Jacob says you know, there in verse 17, how, that, uh, how awesome is this place and none other, uh, this is none other than the house of God, this is the gate of heaven. Now, this wasn't no special place. Uh, at this time, you know, this wasn't some place that people came to get special knowledge of God or anything else. This was just a, happened to be a place that, that the sun went down upon Jacob and he laid down on it. Um, now, but the, the aspect of what I'm trying to get at here is this ladder, though, 
or stairway or however you want to put it, uh, going in between uh, the earth and heaven and the angels ascending and descending on it, when we think about how uh, you're also within this text, we have the Lord telling him that all the families of the earth uh, will be blessed through his seed. Through Jacob's seed, all the families of the earth will be blessed. And over in John chapter 14 and verse 6, we have Jesus speaking and says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Uh, and then earlier on in the book of John, we also have uh, Jesus saying, Most assuredly, I say to you, hereafter you will see the heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. So when we think about this, when we think about the latter, um, as far as the, the standpoint between uh, heaven and earth, and we think about the seed that all the families of the earth is going to be blessed through uh, from Jacob, we have Christ. And we have Christ uh, saying that he's going to be uh, uh, how everyone's going to be saved. You know, no one's going to come to the Father except through me. Um, also over in First Timothy uh, chapter 2 and verse 5, we find that there is... Uh, one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. <clears throat> so we see that, in a, in a sense, Jesus is this ladder. Uh, when you look at it in this vision here, in this dream, and there's only one way that we're going to get to God in heaven, and that's through Christ. Uh, and just, like I said, just thought I'd throw that out there. Not that this was representing or meant anything to Jacob at this time as far as this ladder goes, but looking at it in the whole picture and what's going on, I thought it was kind of interesting. Any other thoughts or comments, though? Jim? Why is it that you never hear the covenant promise again? Well, I don't know. Yeah, no. Yeah. I was trying to think about what, what all is going on. I know we have the 12 tribes of Israel coming from Jacob, and we have Israel... You're, or Jacob changing his name. Yep. Very good. Very good. I, I like the aspect, and I didn't. I never thought about that as far as Jacob. Uh, this very well possibly uh, being the very first time that he uh, he ever left home, uh, even just for overnight uh, aspects. He didn't go spend the night with anybody down the street or anything. He he was at at home all the time, but. But, um, yeah, that's a very good thought. Anything else anybody might want to add? Well, let's look at the last little part of Chapter 28 here, and we'll at least get into 29 before we, we close up. Uh, verses 18 through 22 says, Then Jacob rose early in the morning, and he took the stone that he had put at his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel. But the name of that city had been Luz previously. Then Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will be with me and keep in this way that I am going and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on so, I, so that I may so that I come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone which I have set up set as a pillar shall be God's house and of all that and of all that you 
give me, I will surely give you a tenth. All right, so we have Jacob rising up here and, and waking up and takes this, this hard pillow. And I tell you, that, I just can't imagine sleeping on a pillow, like, like I said last week. But, um, but he takes this, this rock that he had as a pillow and he set it up uh, as a pillar and poured oil on it. And, and basically marking the place. That's ultimately what he's doing. He's marking this place, and he's trying to uh, make sure that he marks it to where he can recognize it again. And he, he makes this vow that he says, and it, it kind of gives you the idea when you read it, is, is you know, well, if God's going to do this, if, if, if this is what really happens, then this is what I'm going to do. Uh, so he, he makes this vow and, and promise of what he's going to do, uh, Speaking one uh, about the tenth and how that he's going to give him a tenth of all that he had, which this is the second time that I can remember anyhow uh, within Genesis up to this point as far as uh, a tenth being given. So at least in my head, you know, because we don't have any record of any kind of, of commandment given as far as a tenth goes, but somewhere along the line uh, they had an idea that a tenth was going to be was pleasing to God uh, of some sort. So find that kind of interesting as well because that's not, once again, that's not really written down as far as commandment that we see until uh, the law of Moses. But, uh, but we also see a change in Jacob's uh, uh, mindset here. If you remember in the previous chapter when Jacob goes in to deceive Isaac, he's in, and he's dressed up. You in Esau's clothes, he's got the goat skins on him, and 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 he's talking to Isaac. And he says, "You," in speaking of how he got his, the game so fast, he says, "Where well, the Lord your God had provided it for me." And here we have uh, in verse uh, twenty-two, yeah, in end of t- verse twenty-one, the Lord shall be my God. And so we see a change here, rather than it being uh, a his father's God, now we have him taking on God as, it, as itself. And I couldn't help but to think about how that we all need to also make uh, uh, our faith, if you would, our own, our, our relationship, our, our, our religion, I guess you can say, as our own and not as of a family tradition, but yet to try to, and, and even as as we look at our families and our kids that we need to try to encourage them not to just hold on to this faith and this, this, this God because we did, but yet because they need to make it their own as well. Um, so any thoughts or comments there as well? Jim? Right, right. And, and that's kind of the thought that I was trying to get, but I appreciate that. It's, it's more of a because of situation. Since God's doing this, I will do this. And it also, uh, another thought that I thought about, um, there in verse 20 at the end of it, when it says, you know, if God will be with me and, and keep me in this way that I am going and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on. It's not like he's asking for a whole lot. All he's asking for is, you know, if he just basically keeps me uh, uh, sustained, you know, keeps food in my belly and clothes on my body. You know, that's all, you know, if he does that at least, you know, then, then we'll, we'll be good. Um, and it also shows 
Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what Jim was making mention of there. It sounds, you know, when you read it, especially in, in some other versions, it makes it sound like, you know, that, that it's like a conditional type of thing. Well, okay, God, if you're going to do this, then I'm going to do this. But it's more the, the, the thought as far as, you know, since God is going to do this for me, then this is what I promise to do. But as far as the clothing and, and food to eat, we also uh, uh, see the aspect that we've made mention of, I guess it was last week, uh, earlier in this chapter, when he sets off, uh, when Jacob sets off for this journey uh, to go for a wife over in the land of Haran. Uh, and we compare that to Abraham's servant who went and got Rebekah for Isaac, his servant left out with multiple things. And once again, here we see Jacob being let, you know, leaving out of his father's house with you know, merely the clothes on his back and maybe a little bit of provisions to, to get him there. So just food for thought there. Any thoughts or comments, though, before we close out this chapter? Huh? All right. Well, in chapter 29, did it? Okay. In chapter 29, we have, um, well, let's just read the first six verses and we'll make a comment, comments on it. So, so Jacob went on his journey and came to the land of the people of the east. And he looked and saw a well in the field. And behold, there, there were three, fo- three flocks of sheep lying by it. For out of that well they watered the, the, the flocks. A large stone was on the well's mouth. Now all the flocks would be gathered together, and they would roll the stone from the well's mouth, water the sheep, and put the stone back in its place on the well's mouth. And Jacob said to them, My brethren, where are you from? And they said, We are from Haran. Then he said to them, Do you know Laban, the son of Nahor? <clears throat> and they said, We know him. So he said to them, Is he well? They said, He is well. And look, his daughter Rachel is coming with the sheep. All right, so we have Jacob leaving uh, Bethel. You know, the, oh, you know, I, I didn't make mention of that, and I meant to make mention of that. Back in chapter 28, when he renamed the place Bethel that had been previously been named Luz, the word Bethel means house of God. So when he, when he had named the place Bethel, he's literally naming it house of God. But just side note there, I meant to say that, and I'm sorry I forgot it. But we have, him, we have Jacob, though, here in chapter 29, leaving Bethel, coming on his way to uh, on over into the rest of the journey. And, and just a reminder... Um, Pull my notes out. Let me make sure I say this right. Up to the point where he where he was at from Beersheba to Bethel was about fifty to sixty miles, but the whole trip itself was about five hundred miles. So he still had another four hundred and fifty miles thereabouts of travel that he had after he left Bethel. So there was still several several time that had passed uh, in between this point. But um, but he comes up on this well. And this well could very well be the same well that, um, that Abraham's servant had come to. Um, 
because it's the same town. It may have been the same well. It may not have been. Don't know that for sure. The text doesn't really point that out. But it could be the same well that Abraham's servant uh, came to uh, when he met Rebekah. But we have him coming up to this well, and we have the sheep lying around the well. And obviously there's other people standing up, shepherds, what have you, standing up around the well, and they were waiting. We'll find out why they're waiting here in the next set of verses, but they're waiting. So he comes up and says, where are you from? What, what is he asking, ultimately? What's the, the main thing that he's trying to figure out? All right, he's, he's trying to figure out where he's at. <laughs> and it's, in a sense, yes, he he's, finds out that, yes, he's where he was, he was trying to get to. And so he asks about his uncle, and they basically say, yes, his uncle's well. And look, here's his daughter coming. Um, so any thoughts or comments up to this point, though? This is a lot of narrative here going on in this text, so I don't want to dwell too much on this. But Anything else? All right. Verses 7 through 12 says, Then he, he said, Look, it is still high day. Is it not time for the cattle to be gathered together? Water the sheep and go feed them. But they said, We cannot until all the flocks are gathered together, and they have rolled the stone from the well's mouth, and we, are, and we water the sheep. Now while he was still speaking with them, Rachel came uh, with her father's sheep, for she was a shepherdess. And it came to pass, when Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep of, his, of Laban, his mother's brother, that Jacob uh, went near and rolled the stone from the well's mouth and watered the flock of Laban, his mother's brother. And then Jacob kissed Rachel and lifted up his voice and wept. And Jacob told Rachel that he was his father's relative and that he was Rebekah's son. So she ran and told her father. All right. So why was it that, that the... Other shepherds were waiting for everyone to get there. What was going on? Why did they have to wait for everyone to get there? To count heads? <laughs> well, these are all separate flocks. You know, not they weren't all of the same person's flock. But for one, uh, because of the way that, that Jacob speaks to these people that he just met, in a sense, uh, and talking about, why are you still here? Why, it's, it's high day. It's time to... to, to Gather the cattle, or it's not time for the cattle to be gathered together, but yet, go, you know, water the sheep and go feed the cattle. You know, he's basically telling them what to do. And so, one of the, the things I was reading about here, and I never really thought about it, was that it's very possible that these were uh, uh, young men. They were juveniles, in a sense, out here uh, taking care of the sheep. And they were coming up to give them water. And since the, the stone uh, was, was at least large enough to where the, the wind wasn't going to blow it away, they might not have had the strength to push it all away and pull it back unless all of them were there. Don't know that for sure. Just something that I thought was kind of interesting. Um, yep, teamwork. But we find Jacob 
uh, removing the stone. Now, once again, we have some people say, oh, well, you know, Jacob must have been really strong and moved the stone away by himself, but there's nothing in here that says that he didn't ask for somebody else to help him move the stone away either. So we don't know if he moved it by himself or if he had you know, some of the other guys help him. But one of the main things that I wanted to point out in this, in this passage, that, I, that once again, when you compare uh, uh, Abraham's servant going there and meeting Rebecca and what Jacob's doing here when he meets Rachel. For Abraham's servant, when he came to this well uh, in this place, what did he do? He sat down and he asked God and says, look, the woman I asked to let down her pitcher and give me a drink and does that but says, drink of this and I'll also pull water for your camels. And, and so she's the one that pulled the water and, and gave all the camels and himself some drink. But what do we have Jacob doing? Jacob is pulling the water for Rachel's sheep. So rather than Rebecca, or rather than Rachel pulling the water, no, we have Jacob pulling the water. I, once again, don't know if there's any significance there, but I found it interesting when you compare the two. You know, here we have Abraham's servant who's loaded with all these gifts, loaded with, with all these camels, and we have Rebecca pulling the water for all these camels and for the servant here, and, but yet we have Jacob pulling the water for the flock. Just wanted to point that out. Jim, you look like you got something to say as well. Absolutely. And, and you know, also remembering the, the aspect, there is a twofold purpose of him coming here, one to find a wife, second to escape the wrath of his brother. Um, so, you know, it wasn't like he was going to get a wife and run back home, um, or at least he didn't know exactly how long he was going to be there, but we find in a little bit that he he promises to be there over a certain amount of time at least. But he kissed Rachel after he got done with this and just, you know, making note of this. This was kind of a customary aspect. I don't think this was a very romantic kiss here that we're talking about. Uh, but he kissed Rachel um, because in, in a little bit we're going to read of Laban coming out and giving him a kiss as well. So I feel like it's kind of the same aspect here. Um, it, that, that's very true. And when I first went over this and I was, you know, I was preparing for this class, I, I thought about that. And I was like, yeah, I might say that. Later on, I was like, I don't know. But, yes, they were kissing cousins. But we also find Rachel in in. Almost an identical aspect here as far as what happened with Rebecca, because Rebecca, finding out who the servant was that she gave all this water to, runs off and tells um, her brother and mother about what's going on. And here we have Rebecca, Rebecca, Rachel doing the same thing in a sense. And now, Rebecca didn't have sheep coming out there with her. She was just coming out to get water for the for the evening to go back home and from what I remember of it anyhow, to where here we have Rachel having all these sheep, and she's in a sense leaving the sheep with, with Jacob, not that he hasn't shown aspect of being able to take care of them because he just pulled water for all of them, but she runs off and tells her father about what's going on uh, at this time. That's where the narrative picks back up. But any thoughts or comments here before? One of the things that I'd read about and since you... Uh, the same commentary that I was reading as far as you, that these may have been young boys was it, it would either be you know, 
boys or the or the women that would be doing it. And I don't know how common it was, but it definitely points out that she was a shepherdess. Um, right. It is not because she didn't have any brothers, because we'll read later on that that she does. So I don't really know why she was a shepherdess. Maybe the flocks were that large. I don't know. Or maybe he was out doing, maybe the brothers were out taking care of the cattle. I don't know. Yes, sir. Watching the flock would have been the low rung in the totem pole. Maybe um, maybe Rachel was the absolute youngest. You know, we know that she had an older sister and don't really know where the brothers fall in line here, but um could be that she was the absolute youngest and therefore she was taking care of the sheep. All right. Any other thoughts or comments? All right, we're going to close out then. Thank you very much.